You know, Haddonfield is a pretty quiet town before tonight. The only uh, gunshots you ever heard were start the track meet at the local high school. Yet one night in 1963, Michael Myers did murder his sister in that upstairs bedroom with a large butcher knife. I remember. On Halloween. I was 16 years old. It's his anniversary, Mr. Hunt. He came back. After 15 years? He waited with extraordinary patience. There was a force inside him biding its time. The staff grew accustomed to his immobility and silence. In many ways, he was the ideal patient. He, he didn't talk, he didn't cry, he didn't even move. He just waited. The staff was unprepared. They didn't know what he was. Did you know? Yeah, I knew. about him like he's some kind of animal. He was my patient for 15 years. He became an obsession with me until I realized that there was nothing within him, neither conscience nor reason, that wasn't even remotely human. An hour ago, I stood up and, and fired six shots into him. He just got up and walked away. I am talking about the real possibility that he is still out there. By 1981, the slasher movie boom kickstarted by the original Halloween had grown way beyond the standards set by John Carpenter's seminal film. The Halloween of 1978 was somewhat reserved when compared to the escalation of violence that could be seen in the numerous slashers released in the ensuing years. Halloween focused more on the tension leading up to a kill, while the slashers that followed increasingly focused on the kills themselves. The body counts were higher, the blood flowed more freely, and by 1981 it seemed as if the point of most slashers was often about highlighting gruesome special effects and new inventive ways of murder. For John Carpenter, making a sequel to his holiday horror masterpiece in this new climate wasn't something he was too interested in attempting. Regardless, various pressures pressed Carpenter into action and Halloween 2 was released in October of 1981. Halloween 2 is a direct continuation of the first film, but the tone and the intent feel quite different from the original. For years, I've thought that Halloween 2 was one of the better horror sequels of all time, but does that thought hold up when watching the first two movies of the Halloween franchise immediately back-to-back? -back? That's the main question I'd like to explore tonight, as I once again welcome Joey and all of you to The Last Theater. Welcome to part two, Halloween part two from 1981, not the other Halloween part two that's coming later on in this franchise review. They already have an official title for it, I just forgot what it was. So, oh, that's Halloween that, Kills. That's the third Halloween part two. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be Halloween Kills as opposed <laughs> yeah. to the other Halloween two that Rob Zombie did. Right. Oh goodness, let's not go down that <laughs> we're road. Not, we're not going to get there yet. We're just going to talk about those when they yeah, come up. Because right so. now, we're in the original quote-unquote originally intended thing mm. to where we don't get more michael myers stories if right. they pull it off right yeah which exactly that, yeah which that will we'll call it back all the way at the very end right. with that statement yeah. so <laughs> so as a, as a quick personal thing for mm -hmm. uh myself joey and and chris over here mm -hmm. i recall probably maybe even around 20-ish years ago 15 to 20 years ago we did watch Halloween one and two back to back. One yeah, night and probably I seem to remember on, that. Yeah, probably on Halloween. But even then, that's with different eyes and different brains, slightly different at least. Yeah. So this is the first time as we are approaching this series, and I kind of looked at you and I was like, "Hey, 
is it okay? Do we have time to watch these back to back? Because <laughs> yeah. I really need to know, like, how different they really are. Yeah. And do they feel as similar as they hoped that it would upon right. release? Yeah. And I definitely got my answer this time, finally. I think, you know, I'm about 40 years old. I think I'm pretty much set on <laughs> an opinion here. I would hope so, yeah. yeah I would hope so. <laughs> so, let's get into Halloween 2. So, just quick question. What do you think? Because I know you've also thought for years that Halloween 2 was one of the better horror sequels. Mm -hmm. Because it does continue the movie and it's fun and whatnot. But watching them back to back, do you like it more, less, the same? I like it a little less, but I don't dislike it right. overall. Yeah. I mean, perception is reality, especially when you're, you know, like kind of having the kids watch it. Right. You know, as a kid. So the fact that it did follow the first one, I just assumed that it was on the same level. Right. Now, that was some yeah. of my initial viewings. Yeah. Weirdly enough, and I know we're going to talk about this a lot, first time I ever watched it was on KTVT Channel 11. <laughs> I saw a television version of this wow. before I saw the real deal. Really? Okay. Yeah, and that actually might be a truth when it comes to the original Halloween yeah. as well. But now this TV version has become so prevalent in talking about this movie mm. that you know i just wanted to bring that up yeah. i actually and with almost no memory i remember some of the hospital stuff and a few things here and there yeah. but i don't remember and mr sandman <laughs> yeah but I, I don't remember a lot of it uh from that initial viewing over to like me watching it like as a, as a teenager right. or a young adult yeah. Uh, so yeah it's not bad but when you watch it back to back it does suffer by comparison so Absolutely. honestly people if you're coming along with us in this journey i don't recommend if you haven't already i don't recommend watching it back to back because two will suffer for that reason it will yeah yeah i feel exactly like you felt uh, watching them back to back this time i've watched halloween a hundred times or more probably yeah. over my lifetime Halloween 2, I never really owned. I had a VHS copy that I owned for a long time, but I barely watched it. I just remembered, like, yeah, that's good, but I never watched it again. Yeah. I've probably seen it six times now. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. compared to the hundred. Yeah, I'm close with you on that. But yeah, I liked so. some of the fun scenes. But I was also... I didn't see these until way after they were released, because this was released in 1981. I was yeah. one year old when it yeah. came out. and I was two. Yeah, <laughs> so I didn't see it until later when we already had the Nightmares on Elm Streets and the Friday the 13th and all of that. Yeah. So I wasn't really... That was my basis for comparison of the general slasher which this fits more into that mold than, of course, the original Halloween, which we were talking about on the previous episode, is more about tension. By the time that they ended up making Halloween 2, I've been looking into the history yeah. a little bit here and there, and sure. I think it needs to be explained a little bit to say why the movie turned out like it did. So just from the start, John Carpenter didn't want to make this movie. Yeah. He felt like he said all he needed to say in Halloween, and he was moving on to other things. One of the producers, uh, Mustafa Akkad was the executive producer, and right. we should mention him because he is his family has been a instrumental in the entire Halloween franchise. Yeah. Mustafa Akkad to start, and his son is producing has been producing since the Rob Zombie yeah. movies. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, um, but there was another producer by the name of Erwin Yablans, I think is his name. Yeah. I was just watching a documentary about with him in it. And he's, he's like a classic, over-eccentric record producer-looking guy. Yeah. Like, he's that kind of guy. And like... he's, he's one of those guys that always kind of takes credit for things. He took credit for some of the casting in the original, especially the main characters. Sure, um, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he was, from his point of view, because John Carpenter didn't have time for this documentary that yeah. I was watching, which is fine. Yeah. Um, but he was saying that he wanted to make Halloween Part 2 because money basically yeah, yeah and it makes sense and it looks like universal's on board now like right. that wasn't a thing before right like this was an independent film right that made a lot of yeah, money exactly and so he saw the money that they made and he wanted to do another one john carpenter was like no i want to make the fog because he was in trying to make the fog at the time yeah. and so from Irwin's point of view what he says is that he was he made an agreement with john carpenter okay we'll do the fog and then we'll do halloween part two afterwards and what he says is that someone, he told another producer guy about it, and the other producer stole John Carpenter out from under him, and they made the fog instead, which pissed off Erwin uh, Yablons, and they ended up making this deal or whatever, because he sued Carpenter and whatever. Yeah. And so 
basically, long story short, too late, I know, but John Carpenter was roped into Halloween Part 2, even though he wanted to do it because of whatever dealings were going on behind the scenes. There's that word again. Rope. Rope. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. I'll try to move it into the next one, right. too. But, yeah, I, I I saw that documentary as well, and that guy just comes off really weird and yeah. random and creepy. I don't know anything. I don't know him personally. I don't know but, yeah. But... but, yeah, he comes. you can kind of tell in interviews how people are sometimes. Yeah. You know, they're, they're building themselves up. It's like, I didn't even see you in You're the right. first documentary, <laughs> sir. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't recall seeing you, and I'd remember that look. So, yeah, and then Carpenter and Deborah Hill were like, we didn't really see a lot of money somehow yeah. for this movie that made a lot of money originally, talking about the first one. Mm-hmm. So, like, cashing in was one of the motivations, obviously, right. not just the fog, but money. Yeah. Like, okay, we're going to get paid this time. Right. So, I don't have any ill will towards John Carpenter and Deborah Hill over this, especially no. Carpenter. Yeah. Um, you know, Carpenter has... A lot of good ready-made excuses for not even like this is really isn't even my movie like yeah. explanations now he basically was like i drank a six-pack of beer every night when yeah. i wrote this script and i'm really dumb for putting in the twist at the end like he <laughs> yeah. basically said those two things yeah so and it seems clear to me watching the movie especially knowing the stuff that was going on behind the scenes that john carpenter wasn't obviously he didn't really care about doing it so much which influenced how the movie came out but he was also under pressure from many sources including the producers but also the pressure of what the slasher had become at the time because by that point two years after halloween in 1980 friday the 13th was released and it exploded changed everything forever and it became it's one of those it's the prototype for the slasher that's about the kills and not the people being killed and i called it the tom savini era as Absolutely. Much as, I, as much yeah. as I love my Tom Savini, I love Tom Savini. I we we talked about Friday the Thirteenth. I love the movie. Yeah. But it's different than Halloween. Exactly. And even though on the surface, it shouldn't be, because obviously yeah. we know that Halloween was the biggest influence on Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. They even made him a kid early. You know, like the kid is an important part of the story yeah. and the whole thing. But it's just they're just different they're yeah. so different even though they try to act like they're not especially the friday guys you know sean, sean cunningham will be like yeah he was influenced by halloween but you know just on the surface of it did so well yeah. you know no yeah. we didn't rip anything off right <laughs> like, okay, yeah so there's that but yeah i mean it's almost like okay if you if you've watched a couple of friday the 13th movies halloween 2 is an easy transition here mm. And now, like, we're, we're, we're a little inside baseball because we do a movie podcast now. Mm. But now I'm seeing those things like, well, that's obviously inserted in after the fact. Yeah. Like, I mean, there are some blatant shots. There is, On yeah. both cuts. Yeah. That are just after the fact. Yeah. And, and that's part of the other behind-the-scenes stuff because... It kind of hurts the movie. Like it, it, it does. Knowing those things, it does hurt a movie. Yeah. It's the same thing with albums nowadays. Yeah. People know all too much about these albums, yeah. and therefore it skews their opinion on whether or not they enjoy it. Which, right. that isn't the thing. It should be, do you like it when you put it on and watch it top to bottom? Right. Yeah. When you listen to it or watch it. Yeah. That shouldn't affect it, but it does, because it now yeah. it's in there. Yeah. You know. And to a certain extent, I can separate the two, because I do enjoy some of the stuff in... I enjoy a lot of the stuff in Halloween yeah. Part 2, but again, coming to this from the perspective of watching it back to back... I, I do enjoy it less, and these are the reasons why, you know. Let's come up with a couple of positive things to say about this movie. And I have one right off the bat that yeah. I think will just... I think the be-all, end-all of this movie is the fact that I think they at least got the haunted house factor right. Yeah. Once the haunted house factor kicks in and yeah. you're at the hospital, I think most of that works pretty well. Yeah, and there's some really cool... One of the things that stuck out to me, because we watched the theatrical version together and i watched the tv version we each watched it on our own but one of the things i noticed on my second recent viewing was how they utilized like the televisions and the monitors inside the movie themselves Mm -hmm. because in the first movie you had the thing in forbidden planet playing on the television we talked about how that was connected to the modern time at the time the contemporary time and and kind of reworked in this one in halloween part two they're watching everyone is watching night of the living dead throughout the movie which is a clear reference to michael myers 
not being dead. He yeah. can't be killed. He's yeah. come. He's come back from the dead, basically. Yeah. Now he's officially a zombie in this one, right? He, he, uh, yeah. He's <laughs> That's not what quite. Telling us, he's right? not quite Jason Zombie Jason, <laughs> right. with looks wise, but, but he's it's, it's shot right at six times in the beginning and throughout the movie a few more times. Yeah. So, but he shot seven times at the beginning of this one, my friend. Right, but, uh, yeah. but that's a, that's a point of contention that's been right. talked about a lot. <laughs> but they do say in the script a lot. I shot him six times. Yeah, yeah. Loomis <laughs> so, yells that a that. few times. But at one point, kind of late in the movie, when Michael is in the hospital walking around, there's a point where you see Night of the Living Dead on the television screen, and then they go to one the, in the same shot. They go to one of the security monitors that's also black and white, and you see Lori walking down the hallway, and then you see Michael walking down the hallway in the same shot, which yeah. is connecting the Night of the Living Dead directly to this movie because we're watching it through that lens of television, and it's the same kind of thing, and it's yeah. it's bridging the those two movies together i think it's it was really cool there's some really cool stuff in this movie i thought that was an excellent choice i also just uh as a fictional character inside the film yeah. i like the pacing of the horror movie marathon yeah because <laughs> now a lot of the kids have gone off to bed so you hit them with something a little harder right like night of the living dead that's true i didn't even think about that it's the yeah. same night so yeah, yeah it's it's a yeah. few hours later <laughs> just wanted to bring that up yeah yeah so. But kind of going back to how it was written, the the box that John Carpenter was in, because he and Deborah Hill wrote this one too. Probably John Carpenter took Mo the lead on it. Yeah, mostly. And he felt like he needed to make it on in the same kind of vein as the Friday the Thirteenth, because the second Friday the Thirteenth had already come out yeah. earlier that year, and well, movies one a year. Yeah. yeah, movies like The Burning, which was all about like super over the top gore and effects. Yeah. And so John Carpenter felt like he had to do that, and and of course, also the other Jamie Lee movies are his own worst competition. Yeah, now. exactly. Yeah. And knowing that he felt like he had already said what he wanted to say in the first one, the first one was had a perfect ending. And bringing Michael Myers back was a bad idea because it retroactively kind of took away some of that boogeyman thing that those final shots kind of told us. Yeah. But it's a different kind of boogeyman, I guess. It's it's a zombie more than like this evil that is in everything. Yeah. But knowing that he was kind of checked out and having to drink in order to write the script, <laughs> you can see why some of the people, the eventual director, they actually kind of approached a couple people for the directing job. And one of them that had worked on the previous movie didn't want it. He saw the yeah. script and was like, I don't like the script. I don't want to do it. That was Tommy Lee Wallace, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who wound up doing part three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. yeah. But the, the eventual director was Rick Rosenthal. And he did this one. We'll revisit him later on in the series. I won't say which movie yet, oh, but... Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm saying spoiler as in, like, ugh. Yeah. Not as in I'm surprised. Right. Not surprised by this. Right. That's a good tease for later. So that, that that's coming up. But in this one, he... From his perspective, he says that he wanted to make this movie in the vein of the original Halloween. He wanted to work on tension... And building that tension throughout the movie, and he wanted to make a haunted house movie as well, which you kind of kind of mentioned that he kind of gets it at some points. Yeah, yeah. But there's this kind of tug of war between what John Carpenter thinks the movie needs to be, because he's a producer on this, and he has some behind the scenes and post production, some well, a lot of influence actually. Yeah, it's that push and pull between what Rosenthal wanted and what John Carpenter thought he needed to do. Which kind of makes it a little bit of a mishmash where you see things like we can just jump to the opening scene or the opening scene in the theatrical, one of the early ones where it's the first person view again. Yeah. And we'll get to the mimicry of Rosenthal in a bit because he mimics a lot of John Carpenter's shots for to less effect. Yeah. But there's like there's a kill in that opening scene that has more blood than any of the kills in the previous movie. And it's pointless. Yeah. It, it there's really no reason to do it because yeah. it's this girl that we've seen for all of like 30 seconds. You haven't met this person until this movie. It's not some... It'd be amazing if it was some holdover from the first yeah. one. Yeah. Like Friday the 13th Part 2 where... Yeah. Where, yeah. You know. And there's a great holdover on this one that works later on. Yeah. But this one's stupid. It doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. And none of it... Like the 
the, any of the implied first few kills. The yeah. old couple and the teenage girl. He didn't kill the old couple. They're, he didn't. They're not he didn't. counted. He made... That, we, he, yeah. We're lost for words right now because the way they re-edited the TV version is really wonky in a lot of parts and that's one of the wonkiest. Oh, let, let's go back to a little theater moment we had here mm-hmm. at, at the house uh, the other the, recently here mm-hmm. when I, I was watching the TV version on my own mm-hmm. and I never do this, you know this. Mm-hmm. Do I ever come in your room and go, hey, you got to see this. Not really. And no. drag you into the yeah. room and show you that shot and you just went, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, the... The TV version obviously is going to cut out the gore and the nudity. And there's not much nudity. There's actually less nudity in this one than in the previous one. Yeah. Um, although it's a bit more blatant. Yeah. Um, but the there's obviously a lot more gore and blood and violence. And the way they cut around some of that is... It's bizarre. It's bizarre, best. yeah. So, like, they don't... They, they, pro- they don't kill the teenager at all this time. The one at the beginning. Yeah, they just cut away from it. Just yeah. She actually sees him. She's in the movie. She yeah. sees him, but then he fucks off to the old people's <laughs> yeah. house. And whether he did or didn't kill the old lady, we don't know. I, it's kind of implied. It's implied. I don't think he did, because you still hear the old lady screaming when yes. he's outside. Yes. Yeah, he's walking away. Like, like the scream is echoed. It's such yeah. a great scream that yeah. it's echoed into, like, a minute later in time. Right. But they, they, you're hearing the woman scream at the yeah. very beginning when she does begin to scream by seeing a still <laughs> paused shot yeah. of Michael with the mask and everything, and it's a paused shot. He's not moving in any way. The video is not moving in any way. It's a paused right. shot. This is like that Simpsons episode where Homer tried to clear his name on hard copy or whatever it was, <laughs> right. and he's he's just got his mouth open and he's drooling and he's got this angry look right. on his face. It's that shot. It is. Yeah. It might as well be. Yeah. It's that cheesy. So you there's maybe an implication that the LA is dead, but we do hear a scream. It's bad editing all around. Like yeah. everything about this shot is hack central the point is you can't tell what's happening there because there's not enough footage even though they added scenes that were cut apparently there was not enough coverage to make that make sense and make it work as a cohesive scene because up until that point in the tv version i was actually buying into the pacing and editing of this version versus the one that's the theatrical release because the beginning is started off great the sequence is a little bit different in the beginning isn't it because better yeah it actually okay it it starts off with the theme song and the pumpkin it doesn't start off with mr sandman like in the theatrical version no so you have to do that for television like here's the movie yeah here's the credits yeah then we go into the film that's a that's a little difference it doesn't hurt it or help it in any way but then like the whole thing about you know uh jamie lee's journey and all this other stuff and and like they have to haul her off first and then all of a sudden he's booking it down the alleyways and stuff like yeah like i liked it better for like the first 10 minutes once that cut up and i was out i was just like i mean i'm gonna watch it still thinking they they're not gonna do anything worse than this right but (laughs) but put a pin in that We'll talk about it later. We'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. So, if you look at Scream 2, I'm, I'm going to go to Scream 2 real oh, okay. quick. And they talk about sequels oh, because... A, yeah. t- it's it's Halloween central. Yeah. Scream is just Halloween reference. Scream and Scream 2. The yeah. series is, is clearly influenced by Halloween. Yeah. And in Scream 2, they talk about like what are the rules for a sequel. And the, the body counts are bigger, of course. There's more blood and gore. And it's exactly like what is in this movie so let's talk about some of the the kills and what you thought some of your favorites some things that you didn't think worked because it's so different from the original because i talked about the bob scene it was probably my favorite because it was just so powerful and so scary and it's this force of nature is what i called it but in this one you have all these different things to choose from as far as like blood and gore and and violence well, in order to do that, Chris, I'm going to have to open up and talk about our first garbage person of the series. <laughs> yes. What's his name? Uh, Bud. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, Leo Bud. Rossi, I believe, yeah. is the actor's name. But he plays Bud, one of the paramedics. Yeah. 
And apparently a lot of these people knew each other from the same acting school. From yeah. What I looking... They're all cool with each other and they're all good people and that's great. Yeah. So we're talking about the character. Because someone was going to the... I think it was actually the director, Rick Rosenthal, was yeah. studying acting and yeah. these were people from his class, basically. Sure. Okay. So, Bud, uh, right off the bat, you know this guy's shit. Yeah. Like, you, it, you see the first thing you see him and he's not talking. But once you get back to the hospital and he starts talking, you're like, oh, here we go. Yeah. Um, sex crazed he's got all the sexual politics of a viking attack yes. you know one of those guys and you see him in all these movies and he's a cliche yeah i don't know if the I mean, the cliche did not start with him he's very similar to somebody you saw in probably friday the 13th part two yeah whoever that guy is but he's there yeah that being said I now that we have our first official garbage person right yeah uh probably my favorite death scene of my memory of this movie because I, there's no music there's no scare tactics yeah. involved other than the fact and I'm not a big fan of the hot tub scene uh, I think the second half of it's very obligatory uh, oh for sure yeah but the uh, when when Michael is strangling that guy mm. in the other room yeah. and the woman's got her back to the whole thing yeah. I love that stuff like that's so well done yeah. and uh uh, actually knowing more about the behind the scenes about that scene makes me like the scene better because mm. they always talk about how the stunt guy i forget his name i'm sorry dick warlock dick warlock great name yes by the way that's the that that's the standard bear for the rest of the series you can <laughs> right. find a better name than dick warlock <laughs> dick warlock nice guy he he's a little bitter about apparently deborah hill like criticized his portrayal of and walking and even though he's yeah. like she could have corrected me at any time he was saying that in that doc he was like but nobody yeah. said anything to yeah. me so i just thought they and liked he's, it he's fine yeah you know? like i i didn't really get into the whole nuance of how they walked in this one yeah like if they started if they, he started to hop on one leg of course i'd be <laughs> right. like yeah but all you gotta do is walk and do yeah. shit i think he did overdo the the head tilt in this one yeah but yeah. that's because you know obviously he watched movies like that's amazing that's cool so he just like, kept doing it yeah. like you gotta insert that as, I mean at some yeah. point it had to be in there I yeah. get that part yeah, yeah, about yeah. it but yeah he was uh, the guy that played Bo was talking about like he was really good about like okay on the first tug we do this on mm -hmm. the second tug we do that and then the fourth one you go limp I'm like yeah it's really cool yeah. like and but yeah just the whole thing about no music it's off it's off to the side there and it's a good it's a pre-scare scare I guess I don't, I don't know any yeah. other way to put yeah. it because and it's the death he deserved. <laughs> right. He, like, really. In the like, background, like, you don't care about him, so just get rid of him. Yeah, yeah, if we're getting into this whole thing about how they make these for people to die now. Right. Like, we're in this era now. Yeah. Right off the bat in part two. Yeah. That's the one I like. Yeah. So, right. I'm going to go with that, uh, because that's the actual kill you kind of see. Every The the, impl the implication of the head nurse mm -hmm. is pretty amazing. As over the top as that is, the discovery of the nurse... Mm -hmm. That, that had yeah. to be the best death scene that you just didn't see. Yeah. Uh, and it makes me wonder. They might have gotten a, more than an R rating if they had shown that. Because yeah. there was so much. And that's the, probably the one that I would go to. Even though it's not technically a death scene. It's just that image. It's Nurse Alves, the, the head nurse there. Yeah. Great, great performance, yeah. by the way. She is just discovered by the other paramedic, Jimmy. The young one that has kind of a thing for Lori. Even though it's his... Like, she goes to school with his brother or something. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Um, like, but he clearly has a crush on her, and he's trying to... He's taking it upon himself to take care of Lori yeah. while she's in the hospital. But he's, he's not a shitty dude. But he's not. He's a, he's a good guy. Yeah. And he looks out for her, and he gets her a Coke. Yeah, and, yeah. love that. <laughs> Which you actually see in the TV cut. Yeah, there was... I, I noticed some things. It was hard for me to tell exactly what was extended or not, but I noticed yeah. that. Yeah. But Nurse Alves is discovered by Jimmy, and she's just laying there at first, and she's her eyes are open, so you know something's wrong. Yeah. And then that's when... It leads to kind of a comical bit, but that overhead shot down where you see her body and her arm out and this just bright red pool of blood yeah. is just one of the best images in the movie to me yeah. um besides the going back to the hot tub the foreground background shot which we talked about extensively in the previous yeah. one that's something that carpenter does yeah. so great and that's the rope thing to mm -hmm. a certain extent although reversed because of the the scary thing is in the back and not the front not as much digital fog as I remember, but there was a little bit extra fog, there, wasn't there? <laughs> uh, yeah, the the way they got around that on the TV version was just to take an unused close-up of of her face, and yeah. it's like, 
you see the towel kind of go away from the bottom of the screen. It's just like upper chest and up. And he says, ooh, it's hot. And then it cuts to them both being fully in the hot tub. But yeah, it looked like there may be some more fog issues in there. Apparently, Bud being a good guy in real life, uh, outside of the film, is that he made her pretty comfortable on the set, from what I understand, on some of these documentaries. And he was like, I'll drop it first, just to make you feel at ease. (laughs) I don't know if that is going to help, but I I understood the... (laughs) sympathetic nature of it all let me show you my junk to make you feel better well and dudes we got a little bit harder on the front end actually it's the other way around but (laughs) you know what i mean okay all right (laughs) well we're getting into the sex era anyway so yeah and and like i said there was less nudity in this movie but it was clearly gratuitous it was more gratuitous i would say then because the nudity in the original judith was topless when she was killed in the opening scene but you couldn't see a whole lot there right. and then linda um pj soul's character was had her shirt open while she was being strangled yeah. but in this one it just takes it way to the next step i think because the nurse that bud is in lust with karen is she's boiled alive basically with her head but every time she comes up you see her breasts wet and dripping like like fully like on display everywhere whereas in the supposed to be looking at her scarred skin on her face but most people probably aren't it's clear that connection between the two and to this point so it's it's not and i think that kind of encapsulates the movie it's not nearly as nuanced as the original and not as nuanced as i think rick rosenthal wanted the movie to be yeah the cheap stuff's cheaper yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the cat in the in the alley that, those, i didn't those, like that yeah those were... things are so obvious yeah and and i'm just gonna say it hacky yeah uh you know and even like hey we have a training room let's use it as a hot tub like they would have been killed regardless right. <laughs> you know i don't know but the cat is kind of the worst it is trick in the whole film because it's just the john carpenter i know would never do that yeah <laughs> that's just because i talked about some of the yeah. non michael myers scares in the original but they were always they had a, a purpose they fit the motif of everyone deserves a good scare but in this one it wasn't about that it was just there's a cat in the dumpster and jumps out oh ha ha, ha it's funny later and, on do you Jim... ever i mean have you ever known anybody that's had a cat no. jump in their face no. out of a garbage bin yeah. or an alley or even their own home yeah and then the it overweight guy falls into the thing yeah. so there's a pratfall well, as well so yeah blundering rent-a-cops yeah oh yeah blundering rent-a-cops are I, I realize that every hospital has a rent-a-cop i yeah. get it but man it's always like a fat guy that doesn't know shit about shit (laughs) and apparently isn't handy at all you would think like i mean god we grew up on the you people that made this movie you grew up on the freaking jackie gleason era (laughs) he at least knew how to like fix the sink right this guy can't do shit and and he's like that should be a prerequisite for being a -a rent-a-cop at a hospital at least at least you can screw a couple of light bulbs in and make sure some of you know like I know exactly where to go if the power goes out. Right. This guy didn't know where to go. Right. He kind of guessed. Yeah. He finally got it. He finally got there and then and he got murdered. Michael had moved on. That's why he had to go back to kill him. <laughs> yeah. Like he was already like, oh, never mind. <laughs> like that's what I took away from it. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, it was because he had already broken into it and turned the power off or whatever. And yeah. phone, this, and he already got to the phone the line by the time and the guy figured his shit yeah. out. So Michael is a lot smarter than, yeah. than anyone gave him credit for. It's since we're talking about cutting out the power in the hospital mm. also tv version going back to that you actually have the scene in the tv version where the power goes out the first time which is not explained at all why the hospital is so goddamn dark in the theatrical well, version I guess not, yeah. they i think they even mention it but having the scene there when they're trying to do something to Lori, and it's a very pivotal scene actually yeah. And then the power just starts kicking out. Like, whoa, whoa, what what the hell? Yeah, because they're trying to sedate her. Yeah, they're trying to sedate her. And the hospital gets sedated instead. (laughs) And, like, I always, like, as a kid, I never questioned why the hospital is so dark. I I never have either. I thought it was great. Yeah. And the whole idea of why it happened. And that's a good part of the script. Yeah. But in the final edit and and theatrical version, it doesn't work. It doesn't work to the advantage that they had with it. Yeah. And I guess we can talk about some of the, the edits because that was one of the heaviest hands that apparently John Carpenter played in the movie was some of the edits after the fact because Rick Rosenthal 
has said in various things and partly in that documentary that we have been referencing a lot that the movie that he saw after those post-production edits were done was not the movie that he made or the one that he intended because John Carpenter changed things around he added some of the things to it the the blood and gore i yeah. feel like the the killing in that which is probably on universal i bet like it probably like, we need yeah more of this. yeah like, but the the killing of the girl yeah. in the one of the opening scenes with the first person view i feel is absolutely like a reshoot that's added to it i don't know that for a fact but yeah. it totally feels like it because it's pointless and it's just blood for blood's sake yeah. um but it so who knows if there was a director's cut of Rick Rosenthal's original it probably wouldn't be that much better honestly because watching what he does and what he intended like he does intend to make this tension building movie that John Carpenter had done but he does it in a way that kind of I mentioned before is mimicking John Carpenter and not making the movie himself does that make sense you know he's he's trying to copy what was done rather than using his creative talent to build it organically from the script that he got even if the script wasn't great which everyone has said so i'm curious as whether you think this is a good thing or a bad thing i want to bring up a particular scene here Mm -hmm. because we kind of mentioned it but i I said let's talk about it on the show so what do you think about that moment with dick warlock and what i found out was dick warlock's son being the boombox kid oh yeah so you told me and i wasn't even paying attention yeah. you told me the whole meaning behind just having boombox kid mm. was to give michael direction as to where laurie is now yeah and i never yeah. I, all the times i've seen it i never noticed that that's what that was there for yeah. i was like oh this this freaking kid he must know somebody that's mm. why he's in the movie and he sticks out like a sore yeah. thumb you told me all that. What do you think about things like that in movies? Do you think that, like, is there any other way to get Michael to the hospital without having to do something like that? Or do you think, oh, that's kind of cute? What do you think? I think there certainly there are other ways for him to get there. It's all over the radio and all over the television in the town. Everyone in Haddonfield knows about what happened. I mean, we see that when we see the, the mob at the Myers house, like, smashing the windows and stuff. Yeah. But Michael wouldn't have been around any of that. He could have passed... A radio in a shop he could have overheard someone talking so but i do think that something like that is needed and that's probably the easiest way to do it is to have oh. boombox kid because otherwise how would he know to get to the hospital it would be some supernatural kind of connection which they could have gone that route but they didn't so yeah they just, they just wanted to do the shout out to part one with the kid in the elementary school running into michael kind of like on the street like, yeah ah. it is a callback for sure yeah. and i think from what i gathered they didn't say it necessarily but i think that whole sequence is a reshoot i think it's one that they shot later because something was said i'd have to go back and listen to it again saying that so from that scene where karen and her friend are leaving that party and they drive off and you have the boombox kid it's like this one or two shots it's like really long sequence that's decently done yeah Yeah. but so the kid the boombox kid goes one way and then he comes back after the scene is over and that's when he runs into michael and that's when you hear through the boombox that laurie strode was taken to haddonfield memorial hospital so yes i think it's necessary they could have done it in different ways but this was as good as anything else a little fun fact here i'll give a credit to horrors hallow grounds the Mm -hmm. show Mm -hmm. on the box set version it's a special feature so they did this thing on the location, and they're at that little strip mall. Yeah. It's a block away from the hospital, right? Well, he's like, if you keep walking down to where that sign was put in for Haddonfield Hospital, block away is actually the church from the fog. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. So they like that area, apparently. Yeah. So there's a little fun fact there. So. <laughs> oh, and they couldn't get into the hospital. Like, it's kind of a dead episode because they wouldn't even allow them oh, to go really? to the hospital. Stinks. <laughs> I felt bad for them. <laughs> um, but okay, we can get back to the movie. Um, uh, another thing I wanted to bring up, Chris, and we've already done the Halloween one episode, I understand, mm. but we are talking about the back and forth a little bit between a theatrical cut and a TV cut. Sure. There's, there, I just wanted to not let this go because it's tied in enough. There's that scene that they cut out of the first Halloween 
it's the scene where they talk about the kind of security Michael's going to have at this place, and mm-hmm. he's not happy about it. And he's sitting in that ominous, weird room, which has a very much a yeah. Halloween orange motif. Yeah, there, by the it's way, those big circular tables—they're yeah. all like bright orange, and he's sitting like halfway back in the room. Yeah, it's like a it's like a college room for like professors to teach yeah. in. You know, it looks yeah. like one of those. Yeah. So definitely a medical school building room. Yeah. Uh, but man, I wish they could have found a way to make it work. I guess they just couldn't, but that scene where he actually talks to Michael at, yeah. at the hospital yeah. and he's just like, you, you fooled them all, but you haven't fooled me. Yeah. And I love that. And then when you see, but the reason I bring that up is because, you know, they, they show some of those flashbacks into like that hospital room mm-hmm. and even, you know him in a dream sequence in that hospital you know those things so it made me think about that but i love that scene where he's like nope yeah i'm not fooled you fooled everybody else but yeah yeah that's weird even by saying that to him when lewis isn't there he realizes now that that's how he gets away i thought about that so lewis not being on site at the hospital is when he actually goes for the escape because you realize he was driving into the hospital right he knows he's not there Mm -hmm. it's like what does he know no he knows yeah it's not like he tried to escape on his way somewhere else because he knew loomis would be there and he wouldn't let him do it but there's a way to get back into part two so the first time we meet loomis in halloween one he's in that station wagon Mm -hmm. and he's driving with the the smoking nurses as we've all called named marion another reference to psycho oh wow look at that nice yeah, and she's got great memorable dialogue in yeah. the first one, so mm-hmm. we should know her. But how many times, Chris, did it take you to realize, hey, that woman that's driving with Loomis in the cop car towards the end of the film yeah. is the same damn nurse? I had no idea. It took until looking into stuff to record these episodes for, before I knew it. And maybe maybe I'm a dum-dum for no. not knowing it. No, me too, man. But I had no clue. And watching the movie again, because I watched the TV version after I realized that, you hear Loomis say, oh, I didn't recognize you in those clothes or something to that effect when he sees her in the that elementary school for the first time. Yeah. And now I get it, when yeah. it, whereas before I just thought it was kind of a throwaway line, but now it makes sense. Right. It's like they had to excuse her three years difference of appearance. Yeah. While well, they at least gave right. Jamie Lee a pretty decent yeah. wig. <laughs> pretty decent, yeah. Decent-ish. <laughs> yeah, and it was just... I think I never made that connection because it doesn't, it still doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me why she would be the one to come and get Loomis to take him back, to take him away because the governor said, you don't, like, we don't want you to go here because... It's like being summoned back to the hospital. It's it's really yeah. weird and I think it kind of is the shortcut, one of the examples of the shortcuts they took in this movie just to move the plot along yeah because talking about the boombox kid and things like that they had to get from point a to point b to point c and they were like they didn't put as much thought into it 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 didn't it doesn't feel organic like the original does it's like let's just put this line of dialogue in and that'll move them to this other point yeah like who's checking the school for like who's checking the school at that point like how did they even get to that point where myers broke into the school like i mean come that still on. feels like a really weird departure and they it, had to get there to get there to get there yeah but none of that seems necessary yeah. because it's just like ugh. like he he stopped to color like, <laughs> yeah. it could have just as easily just used that shot from the hospital room where it says sister on it yeah. And we're still in the dark. We're like, okay, yeah. yeah, all right. You didn't need to break into the school. You didn't need to further that. Yeah. Like, we're apparently giving you everything you need for that reveal in Jamie Lee's, you know, right. drugged up dream yeah. that she's having. So you didn't need the school thing and you didn't need this nurse thing. It's an okay callback to have them in the same car together, but it didn't work as much for me. Yeah. But getting into some more positivity, mm-hmm. what did work for me is the Ben Tramer thing. Yeah, I was thinking... I had a vague recollection of the last time I watched it, thinking that we would see Ben Tramer in this movie, and we sort of do. Sort of do. Yeah. That was one, like, it was these last batch of watches for two, where I was yeah. like, okay, I should have known this. I should have yeah. I should have remembered that at least. Yeah. Which is why we're watching these again. Right. The, and this is where you have to insert that dialogue to make it work. But I think this totally worked because yeah. the kids that are already hanging out around the neighborhood, like, hey, by the way, copper guys, because a lot of kids got killed tonight, I'm a little worried about this guy yeah. who's our buddy who was drinking at the party. We're going to admit that right up front. Yeah. And they described him. He was wearing a mask. He was, hmm. yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> like, and by the way, 
Big ups to Dick Warlock. Amazing stunt work right there. That's him yeah. also in the car. Is it? Yeah, okay. he drove. He drove the police car. Oh, gotcha. That's that's a yeah. next level shit. That yeah. was a great shot. Yeah, and know? talking about everything being bigger in the early '80s because of what the slasher had become. Yeah, explosions, fire, burning bodies. You see two burning bodies in the movie. Yeah, you do. And yeah, just the 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 grossness of the dead Ben Tramer on the slab. When they're looking at him, like, we can't even identify this person. We don't yeah. know if it's Michael or not. Yeah. Even though we know that it's not because we've seen Michael walking around in other places. Yeah. So it was a little bit weird. I don't think it necessarily, the the whole plotting of it didn't make, didn't throw us off. Which maybe adds tension, maybe doesn't, I don't know. I like the Ben Tramer thing being in this movie. Yeah. Because well, too. it yeah. adds to the ultimate overall tragedy of Laurie Strode's character. For sure. As in... She is suffering in this hospital, knowing in the back of her mind that Michael Myers is probably still alive and is going to yeah. kill her tonight. And she doesn't even realize that the guy that she's in love with has been killed. Yeah. And not even by Michael Myers, but the guy did not live through the night. Yeah. And part of that was because of the fear of Dr. Loomis. Like, he sort of was partly responsible for oh, yeah. that. For sure he was. Yeah. Like, and, you know, obviously he felt terrible about yeah, it. Yeah, because he was going to shoot him anyway. And so. he doesn't even know the connection that yeah. that has. Yeah. Like, that is, that is one of the few moments of brilliance that Carpenter came across whilst drinking right in this thing. I've got <laughs> right. to say, yeah. well done, sir. Yeah. So... I'm trying, like I said, grasping for positivity here. No, I mean, so, so my fine. positive side, I do enjoy mindless slashers. Yeah. It's disappointing coming off of a slasher that is completely not mindless and is, yeah. is cerebral and scary and visceral. And it was more like a thriller anyway. Yeah, to come into Halloween Part 2, which is a fun average slasher. It's not even as good as Friday the 13th. And some of those other ones that had come before it, I don't think. I mean, yeah. you could make an argument for the second, Friday the 13th, and any sequels. Sure. But it's... Except for four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or in three. I mean, you can go yeah, yeah, look yeah. at my stuff for that. But I'm talking about, like, the original one and the better slashers that were already coming out in droves by this time. Yeah. I think it's just okay, because if the focus is on the blood and the gore and the kills... Even though there is more blood and gore in Halloween Part 2, it doesn't go as far, with a few exceptions, the boiling face for one, it doesn't really go as far in a lot of aspects because still a lot of the stabs and actual killing blows aren't necessarily seen. Yeah. Michael yeah. goes and from... You were, you were like, I like the hammer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you only see it for a split second. Yeah. And Michael goes voice, from too. Michael goes from like a butcher knife, this gigantic butcher knife in the original, to this tiny scalpel at, where he's carrying around in the second one. It's yeah. just such a weird... Like, I mean, not that a scalpel is necessarily a bad weapon, but... No, but it is all you need to slash yeah. the throat. Yeah, <laughs> but the, that difference of this powerful, like, overwhelming figure represented by this gigantic knife that's terrifying to this guy carrying a scalpel around and turning his head to the side, is a li it's, it's a bit different, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a different thing. I do really like how, in some sequences, how powerful Michael Myers looks. One of my favorites is also kind of silly out of context... But when the hospital is basically on lockdown and it's just yeah. Laurie and the marshal and Loomis and Marion inside and Michael is coming in, you see him walking up to those glass doors yeah. and he, he just doesn't miss a stride and he just walks through the door. He doesn't smash it. He doesn't yeah. pound it. He just walks through it like yeah. it was paper. I like the glass door thing. Yeah, I know, I know that's it's, fun. It's cheap, but it's yeah. it totally worked, especially at that point in the film where yeah. the tension's so high. Yeah. It doesn't break the tension, but it's good tension. You right. Know, it continues the thing that you need to do in this act. Yeah. You know, okay. Two things I want to talk about before we get out of here. Okay. One is, let's just get past the whole twist thing. It's been talked about a lot. Yeah. But, and even Carpenter is like, this is totally just because of Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> <laughs> he actually said that at okay. one point. So, yeah. Laurie Strode is Michael Myers' sister. Yeah. And... Even though that was never the intention in the original movie. That was added to this movie as a plot point to, to make sense of what they wanted to happen. Yeah. And she's like remembering in her dreams, but she doesn't quite understand yeah. it until all it's revealed. Talking about the boombox kid, that was a, a band-aid on a plot point that didn't really work. 
the sister thing is a band-aid on a plot point why is michael still coming after her yeah they didn't need to explain it and that's one of the beauties of the original is yeah. you didn't need to know anything more than he saw her he focused on her yeah. that's it and as you know watching it the first time it's like well she's the one that got away yeah. so he has to finish the yeah. job because he is a damn robot that yeah. has to finish yeah. this task that's all i needed yeah that's still all i need yeah that's yeah. why the first one works so well and over explaining things doesn't work as well oh man you you explain too much and this is a character where we will talk about this almost ad nauseum through the series the more you know about him the less good it is <laughs> yeah um here's someone you know less about watching the theatrical version is the guy we talked about earlier jimmy's interesting isn't he because he has like two different journeys in the theatrical yeah. versus the yeah. television cuts so as we're winding down the talk of this particular installment Jimmy is an interesting, pivotal character. He is, Even yeah. though, not that he's not in the theatrical version, but the way his story ends, they basically left him hanging. Now, he got mm -hmm. this gnarly concussion. Yeah. By yeah. slipping on the pool of blood. Slipped on the pool of blood. Slam. It's pretty, I mean, it can be kind of silly to watch it, but it's also kind of really good because it's just yeah. bam, and you see the blood splash, and it splashes up on him. It's the only... Argento-esque shot in the whole film. Yeah, because that blood is real red, and there's yeah. a lot of it. So yeah, maybe that's where he got it from. Maybe. So yeah. that, that's a good steal. Yeah. <laughs> so he hobbles back to his car after he wakes up. Finally, good idea with that concussion. I'm not going to stay in a hospital. I mean, he knows it shits up, though. We know this because he's like, something is wrong here. Also, he has a concussion, so he's not thinking straight. And the last thing he saw before he got knocked out was a dead, drained nurse. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, yeah, of course, I guess he wants to drive out of there and not walk out of there. But also, he had told that other nurse, um, Jill, I believe her name was, the blonde I mean, one. Yeah, yeah. He told her, if you don't find anyone, go drive out to the sheriff's and get her. So that's what he's doing. It yeah. makes sense. Yeah, and he's he's... He's pretty good. Like that's here's the thing, I don't think that they went for this so much, uh, but I do see. And as an EMT, you are supposed to keep your shit calm and sure. stay frosty and all yeah. that stuff. And he's really good at that. Yeah. Like, he's got just enough personality for his character to work, and I I was sold on that. Like yeah. he knows kind of like to stay calm when all this shit's weird. It's completely unpredictable. Like he's never been in the situation either. Yeah. But he's doing a good job. So I wish they would have gone with the TV ending with his character because he just yeah. falls off the screen after he passes out in the car, letting you know that he's there. That's the another callback to part one, by the way, the horn honking with yeah. the face on the horn. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because that's it's a lot more than you think. <laughs> Though there's tons of callbacks yeah. in the movie right. throughout the whole thing. Yeah. That was when Lori had tried to escape the hospital. She has a cracked bone in her ankle or something. She can't walk. Yeah. And she, so she, she crawls with this whole film. I mean, it had to be a pain in the ass. Yeah, in in a uh, nurse's or in a hospital gown, no yeah. less. Yeah. But she is escaping from the hospital. She realizes she's not going to get very far. She finds Jimmy's car unlocked. She's hiding in the car. That's yeah. when Jimmy comes in after he's been concussed and he yeah. gets into the car. He looks at her. You you can see the disconnect. He's not all there because he's, he he doesn't. He's not surprised by it. Yeah, and he probably doesn't think that she's really there. Yeah. And so that's another part of the tragedy that I think is really good is that this guy, really good guy, we all like him. He's the one of the heroes of the movie, or he could be. Yeah. Um, and he's been taking care of Lori this whole time. And in trying to take care of Lori and get her to the sheriff or whatever, he ends up alerting everyone to where she is. And he is the reason why she has to leave the car again and get yeah. chased by Michael again. Yeah. So that's part of that tragedy, again, yeah. of just... These people who are trying to protect Lori are completely incapable of doing so. Now, refresh my memory. You watched the TV version more recently than I did. Did that whole part of the Nakar get cut out, or did they still use yes. it? No. Uh, it well, like, Lori, right? Lori went to the car, but there was no Jimmy. There was no horn thing. It was just she went in. A little bit later, she comes out, and that's yeah. it. See, that makes no sense. Yeah. But so I like... Jimmy, at that point in the TV version, we don't. We assume he he must still be unconscious in the blood room. Right. Yeah. But they don't even show the nurse being dead in the television version. So yeah. let's tell the rest of the Jimmy story. All right. How does all that happen? And you still get to actually see the blood room. How is that possible if there's no <laughs> dead nurse? <laughs> okay. So in the movie, 
in the I, I theatrical like, I like cut. I watching Chris squirm and try to explain <laughs> why this is a good idea. In the theatrical cut, okay, it's this the whole thing with the blood room and Jimmy slipping on it happens about, I don't know, Halfway. halfway-ish through the movie. Yeah. In the TV version, that does not happen at all. So, at that point. So right now we're in the final showdown. We're in the final act. Lori's Loomis. already gotten out of the car. She's back into the hospital. The marshal's dead. Loomis is there. Marion is using the radio. I guess she went off to hide somewhere because sure. Michael didn't see her. Never saw her again. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Michael has, is chasing them both. And so the climax of the movie ends up in that room where Lori can't move anymore. Loomis hands her a gun. He has his own gun. Michael comes in. This is all leading up to the Jimmy thing. This is all happening. So the theatrical version ends where Loomis figures out he gets stabbed because he, he's he been messing with his gun all night long. But right now he doesn't remember that he didn't reload it after the last time he shot it. So he's point blank, tries to shoot Michael in the head, doesn't work. Michael stabs him with a teeny tiny scalpel. But he figures out that he's going to open up all of these flammable gases from around the room. Yeah, the oxygen. Yeah, yeah and, uh, and the ether and stuff. And Lori does the same. She gets out. And so we finally see Jimmy at this point when all this is happening. In the TV version. In the TV version. <laughs> in the theatrical version. Remember, he's passed out in his car still. He's still there for the end of the movie. We don't see him ever again. Yeah. In this version... They take a clip of Jimmy walking down the hallway looking for Lori from earlier in the movie and stick it here to where all this is happening in this, the the, the ether room, I'll call it. Yeah. And Jimmy is just kind of looking around, looking, looking at the shadows and stuff. And then that's just setting his place. He's somewhere in the hospital. We don't know because there's no connection between the two. Right. Then Lori runs out. And Loomis pulls out the lighter that the cop gave him and says something to Michael. And then he lights the lighter and the whole room blows up. And you see Lori fall from the explosion and she falls down and the hallway blows up. And then we cut to the blood room and Jimmy slips on blood and falls as all this happens (laughs) in the blood room. So, uh, so how Jimmy gets knocked the fuck out yeah, at the end instead of halfway through it's intended I think to be the concussion from the blast is what kind of knocks him down but you still see the blood and you hear the squeak of his foot as he slips yeah so the, yeah. yeah and I it's mean, just the like two shots of that and then that's over and so you needed that to get to this next point though yeah so then the movie kind of ends as normal and Michael walks out of the room, but then oh, he... And by the way, the second cameo for Dana Carvey, who uh, oh, looked, yeah. looked for him in there, he plays the uh, the TV the assistant. reporter's yeah. assistant. Yeah. Yes, okay. But Michael walks out of the room, he's on fire. Second second burning person in the movie, yeah, he yeah. falls down, yeah. and you see the close-up of the mask burning. Yes. And, Very symbolic. Yeah. Or is it? Or is it, yeah. For John Carpenter, it was yeah, like, he, yeah. he's done. Loomis is dead. Michael's dead. This is it. Yeah. Um, but we'll see, of course, that does not happen. But the movie ends in a similar fashion in both cuts. They go to the exterior of the hospital. Lori is seen um, being wheeled into an ambulance and being taken away. That's how the original theatrical cut ends, with Lori just hauled off. We never see anything else. It's kind of a dark ending. Because we see everyone... We know everyone who's died. One of the cops says, like, what's the count? Basically saying... Like, what's the kill count, basically, yeah. for this movie? Let's yeah. tally him up. And that's how the movie ends. And I, I always forget, like, the true tragedy of the sheriff finding out his daughter dies in the second one. It's yeah. really good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, and that writes him out of the movie also. I, but that I feel like that's why they did it. Yeah. Well, I mean, he kind of yeah. had to, but... Charles felt... Cyphers is great, but yeah, yeah like, yeah. It, it, it moved it over to the more proactive sheriff. Yeah. Which I, I think actually needed in this one, but... Yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to bring that up sure. because I, I I kept forgetting to mention it. That's yeah. all. Okay, so back back to this. Right. So she's she gets loaded into the ambulance. Yes, because okay. they're taking her from one hospital to another hospital because yeah. this one's all smoky. Yeah. And then we go in the TV version. We go into that ambulance and we see Lori kind of with her back towards the door or something. She's not strapped down or anything. Yeah. And from behind her in the background, we see this figure sit up that's covered in a sheet. And the sheet falls off, and there's Jimmy. And he has this big, goofy, like, bright gauze wrap around his head. And he looks like he just woke up from a nap. Yeah. And then it startles Lori, but then she... She's immediately just scared out of her mind. Because she didn't actually see the sit-up in the original. But we saw it, so that's enough. Yeah. 
And then she starts crying and she's like, we made it, Jimmy, we made it. And then they hold hands and then we cut back to the outside and they drive away. Yeah. So It's a completely it's, different ending. It's such a different, like, if the tone of this movie is so different from the original, which it is, the tone of the, for these final shots, the tone uh, that makes the entire tone of this movie, the TV version, different than the theatrical version. It's a... It's a really different ending, and it's oh. done in really weird ways because that was obviously not the intent. Because those shots of Jimmy in the hospital do not match, like no, at all. Not at all. Yeah. But much like this movie overall, even just talking about the theatrical version, yeah. there's some good to it, and there's some real bad to it. Yeah, and I think we've been talking about a lot of the bad, but you know, overall, we have been talking about the good as well. And I do enjoy the movie. I think it's. It's not as good as I remember it being, yeah. but it's a fun movie. Yeah. Yeah. I won't not watch it again. I'll You're right. When yeah. I go through the whole thing again, I'll, of course, not skip yeah. it. Why would I? <laughs> right. All right, Chris. I know we're going a little longer than we normally do on these wrap-ups, but to be fair, I mean, we actually have kind of been talking about two movies, technically. We have, sort of. yeah. So this is a, a two-in-one. This is a bonus. Two-in-one bonus yeah. for this one, yeah. And, and for anybody that wants to reference the TV version, uh, I... I always definitely want to plug this. I we get no money for saying this, but the Scream Factory box set is aces. Yeah, uh, I owe a lot of the uh, you know quote unquote research I did for these episodes to it, and you can actually watch both cuts in full. So yeah. that's a good commercial for that version. Scream Factory aces for any horror fan. Yeah, worth a damn. All right, Chris, let's get to the stats. All right, so going back to Scream 2, the kill count must be bigger in the sequels, and the kill count was definitely bigger in the sequel. We did have the garbage people, we had the bud, and I don't know that I consider any of the nurses garbage people, because they were all nice people, but they were only there to get murdered. There there was a difference, though. Cannon fodder is different from garbage people. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Because, like, the... Yeah, there were so many that were just there. Uh, Dr. Mixter, he was kind of a garbage person, because he was drunk. He had come from the same party as Laurie's parents, and yeah, that's yeah. Right. and he was yeah, he okay. wasn't really taking care of her and so You're make it official is he one or not he's, he's a garbage person okay yeah. all right because he didn't do anything yeah and he wouldn't listen to his patient right exactly yeah <laughs> he's a stupid jerk so the kill count in this movie has some caveats so mm-hmm. the michael myers kill count that he actually killed that we know that he killed is nine people that's up from his five total in the it's almost double of his total in okay. the previous movie um, so there was the girl stabbed in the house. There was the security guard jammed in the head with the hammer. There was Bud who was strangled in the background while the nurse Karen was boiled in the foreground. Dr. Mixter, who we didn't see die, but he was stabbed with a syringe. Then nurse Janet, who was also stabbed in the eye, well, in the side of the it's eye. It's a socket yeah. thingy. Yeah. Which, uh, There's a difference. Yeah, <laughs> which... Watching that documentary, they were saying that I don't think I've ever seen that happen before. It's happened lots of times yeah, before yeah. that. Yeah, did you ever see freaking a zombie? Yeah, I can I can name three off the top of my head that yeah. I can think of exactly. before that. Anyway, um, Nurse Alves, who was had her blood drained in that really neat looking scene. Nurse Jill, who was stabbed with a scalpel and raised up by Michael Myers in the hallway with her clogs dropping to the ground. Yeah, so a little I like bit the clogs. By yeah, the way. a little bit of a callback to Bob's death, I think, yeah, with yeah. lifting up. Yeah. And then the marshal that tries to get uh, Lewis to go away. Double tap. He should have double tapped. We know this. <laughs> he rule didn't now. listen to. He, no one listens yeah. to Loomis. Stay away yeah. from him. And he, he's, he stopped breathing, and then he dies. No, this guy's famous. Yeah. So those were the nine people that were killed in this movie by Michael Myers. Okay. Is there but a difference we, in television? Before we get to that other caveat. So, the only... Well, I don't think that the old people died in either movie. Okay. I cannot count them. But if you're looking at the TV yeah, version... Especially in the theatrical version, because yeah. he only stole her knife in yeah. the theatrical yeah. version. I don't, easily. I don't think they died in either version. Okay. But there's one less in the TV version, because the girl at the beginning of the movie isn't killed in the TV version. And also, the nurse is not killed in the TV version either. Which nurse? Nurse... Uh, bloodroom nurse oh well yeah but She's not they're, they're, where'd the blood come from but you never see her again yeah. so nobody no death yeah I, i'm i'm i'll tell I'm, you what let, let's stick with the theatrical can yeah. i'm giving you a little bit of shit chris yeah. <laughs> so i'm counting nine nine okay nine definite michael myers deaths 
In the theatrical version, we don't know what happens to Jimmy. The last time we see him is passed out in the car. He could be dead. We don't know. Nobody, no crime. But, yeah. And so I'm taking the TV version in this instance in a a little bit of a uh, creative liberty, I guess, for my own list. I'm taking the TV version ending as canon for what happened to Jimmy since we don't know otherwise. Nice. Jimmy lives, so he's not yeah. counted among them. Ben Tramer is not on uh, the body count list because he was killed by other means. Ben Tramer is in the movie's body count list, but he's not on Michael Myers' body count list. Oh, so it's a one difference yeah. is what you're going for? Yes. And then there are also two more deaths technically in this movie, although it's retconned out later in the series... Dr. Loomis and Michael Myers are both technically dead in this movie by the end of it. Right. Yes. That'd so that, Okay. Yeah, right. they are. Yeah, yeah. John Carpenter said that's that was the intent, was for, yeah. they are dead. Okay. They're not later, but they are now. So with all of those caveats... So, so four that brings, and five is a bad dream is what you're saying, because I think it no, might be. No, I, I enjoy... I remember enjoying four and five. Well, well, that's, so that's we'll, a good we'll tease we'll for later. Happens, okay. Yeah. So, so the, to, what's the final? Total count... All deaths, all totaled, 12. Michael Myers, 9. Okay. Sure. All right. <laughs> How many boobs? Two. Just go. two. Yeah, just two. So, Actually down. So down from the from the original. So it yeah. breaks one of the sequel rules. But yeah. all the other sequel rules are definitely in effect. Yeah. Um, since we opened and closed with it in the theatrical version, Chris, what do you think of Mr. Sandman? Does it work? Does it not? I... Is it Stephen King? Is it too Stephen King for you? Uh, I never really thought about that. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. I I didn't really care for it necessarily because the original is so iconic. The Mr. Sandman thing, I don't know. I'm going to say that's a thumbs down for me. I like it better on the front than the back. I do too. Yeah. It works better that way because not that you don't know what movie you're getting into. Right. But I like the difference there because I don't want to hear the theme yet until... I see him or know about him or, you know, weird things like that. Right. Uh, so that's me. It works better on the front than the back. Okay. I like, yeah. it, in, I like it in the intro. I don't like it on the outro. I, I don't really care for it in either spot. Yeah, right. Just because I'm spoiled, I guess, that's because right. of how, how great the original is. Yeah, so you're, you're thumbs down, I'm thumbs in the middle. Yes. Let's go with that. All right. All right. But next up is going to be part three. So we're going to take a little bit of a break from Michael Myers and the shape and Laurie yeah. Strode and all of this. And we're going to do a reset later on for them in the aforementioned parts four and five. But next time on The Last Theater is going to be Season of the Witch. It is Halloween part three, which was the attempt at making this an anthology series. And we will discuss whether we think it's a good Halloween movie, whether we think it's a good movie on its own in the part of the series. Michael Myers does make an appearance in the movie. Does. Yeah. But we'll talk about all of that on the next episode of The Last Theater as we continue our journey to Halloween, through Halloween, all the way up until October 31st. Check us out on cnjradio.com for all of these episodes and all of the previous episodes where we talk about other franchises, Friday the 13th, John Carpenter, things like that. Get in touch with us on Twitter at The Last Theater. And yeah, let us know what you think about what we do here. All right. See you on part three. Bye. Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. Make him the cutest that I've ever seen. Give him two lips. Like roses and clover Then tell him that his lonesome nights are over Sheriff, I shot him. Who? Tell him he's still on the loose. Was that a Halloween joke?